Is that like the Nintendo 64? That's exactly it. Okay. Because I understand this Nintendo 64. Yeah. Yeah. It actually only plays Banjo-Kazooie now. So Man, that was an awful game. It was. But Nintendo 64 is expensive, and so you played what you had. There was, there was, uh, there's only one game that still stands the test of time from Nintendo 64. Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. Neither. Neither. And Star Fox. Neither. Star Fox was Star good. Fox was garbage. No. no. Star Fox was, I played the Star Fox. And, and GoldenEye. GoldenEye. I, 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 I you want to bring us? What? No, I, I've never brought us into the show yet. I'm not going to start. I think you have. No, I probably have. No, sure? I don't think I have. I think you've done it every, every time with your line, Hello Internet. Hello Internet. There it is. You don't want to talk to the, in- you don't want to talk to the internet? No. Hello, Internet. We are the Uncultured Saints. I am Pastor Harrison Goodman, and joining me this day is... Pastor Eli Lietzow. Right? And, uh, yeah. Okay. You're doing great. Okay, (laughs) So, um, we have been working our way through the formula of Concord. Um, If you've actually... Slowly. Less painfully than it could have been. Um... A little painful, but but just the right just the right amount. Um, we have have come to a, a topic this day that is um, at, at last um, completely free of controversy. Um, today we're going to be talking about the third use of the law. Yes. Um, and be, because I know um, confirmation was uh, just yesterday for each and every one of the six people listening. Um, you you know then that the first use of the law is the curb the second use of the law is the mirror and the third use of the law is the guide it's the, the rule it's the rule Christians how to how Wrong. to it's love each rule. other it's the rule yeah what do you mean it's that i'm showing my age in the in the old catechisms it's a rule in the new ones it says guide it? yeah guides like way fuzzier it's it's it yeah yeah sorry i ruined that Go ahead. Keep going. You're doing great. No. Um, no, you're doing great, buddy. So, am I? Yeah. Another first time for everything. <laughs> so, what's this article about then? Well, it's about, there was some controversy, some issues, uh, way back when they were writing the Formula Concord. Uh, and there were two different camps. Uh, and one camp was basically saying that uh, the the law has absolutely no place in the life of the Christian any longer. So that once one has become regenerate, uh, then you don't need the law. It's all set. You're you're good, uh, and so your good works are actually generated and and put forward from the gospel. Uh, so the fact that you have the Holy Spirit in your heart now. Uh, you you will just uh, automatically do all of these good works uh, spontaneously uh, without any sort of uh, written guidance whatsoever. And the other the other side of, of this uh, coin was saying that no, the law's still there. The law's always going to be there. Uh, this side of uh, the second coming, 
The law is always going to be there, and it's going to be there for the Christian too. And it's uh, it, it'll never it'll never stop actually uh, leading the Christian and guiding the Christian. See, there's the guide there. Mm. Mm. I, I understand the appeal of the first one um, because nobody likes rules. Um, they they get in the way of all the stuff that I want to do, and I'm convinced are are super helpful and great ideas at the time. Yeah, the first one's the first one's the best. I mean, would. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't we want wouldn't we want that to be just just how it all is that uh that i uh spontaneously I'll, I'll totally be able to figure out that which is good yeah, spontaneously exactly uh that would that would be wonderful uh, that it's that it's so ingrained in me uh that uh, that i have no problem whatsoever knowing exactly what's good and pleasing god in every single thing that i do see that's i think that's the major problem or the major issue with with this uh, th- uh, third use or uh, misunderstanding of the third use. Uh, so when you've got one side actually saying that the gospel is the thing uh, doing this, I don't know if they're necessarily saying that the gospel's actually uh, driving this. Uh, it's more along the lines of, of the gospel has removed the law completely from the Christian's life. Like completely. The law does not exist anymore in any sort of fashion whatsoever well if the law doesn't exist in any fashion whatsoever what's the temptation what are we gonna do well the temptation the temptation i i mean it's it's twofold one we could say the temptation would be that that sin would abound because there's nothing actually shaping what love should look like but honestly what always ends up happening when we take out the law is that the gospel kind of starts to seep into where the law used to be and the gospel becomes a law unto itself um, we've seen it happen where, I mean, if, if you were really, really loving, you wouldn't hate us this way. Everybody who, who is loving and accepting and tolerant would, would never, ever think the things that you think. We just made a law out of the thing that was supposed to be the unity and comfort and forgiveness and acceptance. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking right now? What? No, obviously, I, I got nothing. We're going to have to cut this because I... I got nothing. Okay. Um, so whenever we whenever we sort of do away with the law, um, as it turns out, sin still hurts, and we don't want people to sin against us. And so we, we come up with this idea that, you know, we can make the gospel sort of direct people um, that, that, you know, really turns the cross of Christ into a guilt trip. Don't you know that Jesus died for you? Did Jesus die for you so that you would treat people this way? Well, what you've done is sacrifice both the law and the gospel by mingling the two. We talked about this earlier. Um, when we get rid of the law, something always takes its place. Yeah, Paul has this issue with with the church in Corinth. He was there for, I always get it mixed up. He was only there for about six months or so, right? It was it was the church in Ephesus that he was there for three years. Did I have that right? I think. I think. Okay. Is anybody going to check me on that? No? Probably. Well, Paul was in prison during Ephesus and wanted to come back. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I honestly don't know. They'll, they'll trust me. So, uh, so, anyways, uh, when he's writing the letter to the church in Corinth, uh, he's writing. He's calling them all dear Christians, dear brothers uh, in Christ, which speaks to the fact that he still sees them all as Christians. And yet, it's amazing. I mean that that first 
letter to the to the church in Corinth is crazy because he uh, he lays the hammer of the law down upon uh, this church who he's calling brothers and sisters in Christ. So if the law doesn't exist for Christians anymore, then uh, we've got a problem with what Paul did in First Corinthians. But one of the issues that Paul uh, that the the Corinthian church was doing is they were uh, saying that because we have the gospel, then the law no longer has any place in our life. We don't have to worry about it whatsoever. And therefore, we can do whatever we want. And not just God isn't going to see it as sinful, but it takes it to the, 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 the next logical step is God will see this as good. So you had individuals who were doing some atrocious, abominable things. And Paul was writing back and saying, not only is this obviously wrong, like you don't marry your stepmom and the church doesn't applaud that, right? That you just don't do that. He says, not only is this obviously wrong, but not even the pagans do this. Like the pagans get how bad this is. And you guys are sitting there saying we're free to do whatever we want because of Jesus. It's stupid. That was my turnover. I talked for like three minutes. Where are you going? Oh, sorry. Yeah, man. Editing is going to be a joy. <laughs> yeah, you just keep it in. That's beautiful. Ah, I think kind of the thing we're circling around with this is that God actually gave the law as a gift. When we want to do away with the law, what we ultimately have to say is, is the law was a means to an end and not a gift in and of itself. If the law was just to sort of be the stepping stone to the gospel and then be done, um, then the law is, well, a, a part of God's word that passes away. Yes. And I'm pretty sure there's a Bible verse that says none of these words shall pass away. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a Bible in, uh, in this is a, a quick aside. I've got a Bible in, in my office. Uh, okay, and I, I, yeah, no, it's good. Moving I, on up. I, I picked it up on my vicarage. It was in the, <laughs> it was in the, the library and, and my vicarage supervisor said I could take it because he didn't want it in the library anymore because it was mm -hmm. the reader's digest version of the Bible. Now Ooh. for every single person who's listening to this and has no idea what reader's digest was, uh, there was a time, ask your grandma, there was a time. Uh, when uh, a, a lot of women would uh, order this uh, magazine, okay, a magazine was, uh, it was paper uh, glued together with a bunch of different articles that was sent to your house. Uh, so anyways, Reader's Digest was one of these magazines, and your grandmother would read it, and what Reader's Digest version was uh, well known for is they would take uh, books and they would condense the books really short so that you could read about Moby Dick in like 15 pages, right? So this is what they did with the Reader's Digest of the uh, version of the Bible. And ironically enough, uh, that section, that verse in, in Revelation, where it says, uh, hey, if you, take, <laughs> if you take away anything out of the Bible, uh, bad stuff's going to happen to you, it's not in there. <laughs> So, needless to say, that's uh, that's what's sitting on my lectern in the in the sanctuary. 
Yeah. <laughs> Doing great there. <laughs> and back to you, Harrison. I'm back to me. Um, <laughs> so the reason that we want to be free of the law is we want to be free of its curse. We, we want to be free of, of being made to feel the threat of punishment. We want to be made to free, feel, feel free <laughs> of the law's accusation. Um, but the, the problem is when you want to be free from the law's curse, uh, you sort of lose sight of the fact that you're already free of the law's curse. That's called the gospel. We have the gospel, so the law cannot condemn you anymore. The law cannot destroy you anymore. The, the law can certainly point out all of the places where you need Jesus, but you have Jesus. Yeah, the law does a really good job of doing what the law is supposed to do and what God has actually set the law to do. And when, imagine that. And when we remove the law, when we say, hey, uh, I've graduated from this, uh, God has no, uh, no use for it in my life anymore, uh, and I've, I've gotten so much better. Then what we do is we're actually, uh, again, we've talked about this already, is we're taking the gospel and saying this is the thing that's, that's actually uh, going to show me uh, the will of God in, in the way of how that's going to play out in today's day and age, in, in my life, on how I'm going to do uh, things for my neighbor, how I'm going to serve God. Inevitably, what that uh, looks like at the end of the day is that we will turn uh, our own desires into uh, service to God. So instead of actually looking uh, to what God has said about, hey, this is what it means to love God and serve your neighbor, We'll say, oh, well, uh, we don't need the law anymore to know what it means to love God and serve my neighbor because uh, Jesus. So uh, I obviously know it and uh, I'm going to do it in my own sort of way. Per perhaps the perhaps a, a good way of understanding this. Uh, another quick aside is uh, back in the I believe it was the late 80s. Uh, there was a, a, a famine in Africa. And Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, and uh, Lionel Richie, they all got together and they wrote this song. That said, it was called We Are the World, right? Now, uh, this song was supposed to uh, make awareness of the plight of a number of Africans and, uh, and all of this, right? And so you get all of these big, huge name uh, American singers of the day, right? Uh, you had Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder, all these people. And you, you also had Bill Murray. No, it wasn't Bill Murray. It was Dan Aykroyd, which doesn't make any sense because nobody knows who Dan Aykroyd was. But he's not a singer. And he was standing in the back. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, they get together. They make this song. It goes multi-billion platinum, right? And, and makes all of this money. Uh, and uh, then all of a sudden, the, uh, the Brits, that's uh, uh, the English people, uh, across the pond, they get wind of this, right? And they say, uh, hey, we can't let them, them Yanks uh, outdo us because uh, we love uh, Africa too. And so they said, I believe it was in the same year, uh, they did the same exact thing. Except their song was horrible. Uh, it was called, Do They Know It's Christmas? 
And you didn't have Dan Aykroyd. Well, it didn't have Dan Aykroyd, but uh, they. It was uh, do do they know it's Christmas? So they try to get together all the the British uh, pop sensations like Sting and uh, Phil Collins and stuff like there's that. There's just the two of them. Well, no, yeah. there's Boy George and and uh, George, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a bunch of them. Anyways, Ibano. Uh but the song was horrible and it didn't make any money. And today it's the most parodied uh, song of of Christmas ever. Uh, YouTube both these songs and you'll know what I mean. My point in saying all of this is... Yeah, no kidding. What? <laughs> one of them is uh, true service to your neighbor, uh, and the other one isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and America's better than England. Okay, you just... We're about to be down from six into like five <laughs> listeners, but you saved it with that last comment. <laughs> Back to you, Harrison. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's the thing. Um, when you want to be free of the law so that you can make up your own, so that you can do, um, what's the song called? Christmas? Do, do they, you know it's Christmas? Do they know it's Christmas? Not do you. Do they know it's Christmas? And they obviously don't because there's no snow in Africa. That's the whole there's thought. There's no snow in Texas either. But that's the whole thought of this song. Is that really the whole thought of it? Well, because they talk about snow. Yeah. And if you don't... Oh, the if, meaning of Christmas. The, exactly. The meaning of Christmas is snow and hot hot cocoa. The 80s were great. The 80s were the best. Um, so when we... You have me doing it too now. <laughs> so when we want to be free from the lawgiver... Um, that's the bigger problem, right? All right. So what do you mean by that? Free from the lawgiver. How are be... we free from the lawgiver? What do you mean? Well, the lawgiver gives the law. If you say you don't want the law anymore, then you're saying you don't want the lawgiver. To be free of the law is to be free from the God who gave it to you. Um, and that's all because you're trying to dodge this idea that, that the law will condemn you. But in Christ, the law cannot condemn you. Christ has fulfilled the law for you. The law has no curse for you. So you don't need to be free from the law anymore because it cannot hurt you. It cannot kill you. You have already been killed and raised with Jesus. And so now to see the law is to simply see a picture of what love looks like so that you don't have to try and figure out what love looks like when you have to help your neighbor. And also so that you don't have to tiptoe around as you try and serve your neighbor, making sure that you do it just so that you don't mess up somehow and uh, break a commandment. And, uh, and back up worse shape than you were before simply by trying to help somebody. Now, I'm not saying that you should sin to help your neighbor. But what I am saying is love looks to the law as a guide to, to serve the neighbor and then isn't worried about whether or not it perfectly fulfills it in this life, knowing that Christ fills in the gap. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this before. This is, this is the difference of where, uh, of where regenerate, right? The, those who have been mm-hmm. regenerated by the gospel— uh, the love, the love that they have, it, it means something. It does something. Love does something, and uh, the the place where love looks, like you said, is is the law, because now we know what love looks like. Now we know these things. Uh, Jesus is basically said this right when when he quotes Deuteronomy when the the scribes are trying to trick him and find out what the 
the greatest uh, law is. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we see, so Jesus, this perfect uh, God and man who didn't need uh, the law for, for correction, right? Didn't need the mirror to reprove him or anything like this. Uh, presumably, he was above the law. There was no use for the law. And yet he sits there and fulfills it. And he points others to the law saying, hey, uh, this is what it actually means uh, to, to love your neighbor. And then I believe it's, uh, it's Paul, or maybe it's the writer of the uh, Hebrews, where it says, uh, what, greater love has no one than this? Did he lay down his life for his friends? Or that, No, it's John. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's one of those. Somewhere near the back. John. Yeah, somewhere near the back, like I said. The epistles of John. I'm eating a Cheeto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where are you going? Albert, what do you mean, where am I going? Keep going. So it's back to you, Harrison. Mm. With your Cheeto fingers. Not anymore. I wiped them on my pants. Lisa's happy about that. All right. So since Christ is a perfect picture of the law fulfilled, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So if I want to see the law fulfilled, I can look to Jesus and know this is what it's supposed to look like. But the problem is when I try and do it myself and I try and fulfill this greater love on my own, even though the law says do this, the gospels us say it is done. It is finished. You are holy. I look to myself. I look in the mirror. I don't look all that holy. In this life, even the believers, even the regenerate, we don't do perfect works on our own. We don't do enough to fulfill the law on our own. Our sin is, well, our, our flesh is still corrupted by sin. So because we are not yet perfect um, in this life, we do need the law to, to continue to point to us what we are to strive for, but also to reprove us, to, to correct us when we start to, to veer away from it. Because I have a totally much better idea on how to serve the people around me than the one that God would give me. Um, because, well, I can't do gods and it's hard and I will make up a simpler one yeah but I'll think I'll think it's it's just as pleasing to I'll, God because I'm an well, idiot of course uh, but that's where the monasteries came from too um, that the people said I, I know God that you gave me this wife and these kids to take care of but I'm pretty sure you'd like it more if I didn't do all of that work and just prayed some to you in a in a room where I don't have to put up with them that's better right and no, yeah. no, that's that's not. It's a lot that, that's not. No, 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 that's not. No, um, no, it's not better at all. The the problem is the law keeps saying love your wife and love your children and love them in these specific ways. Look to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth commandments, and you can see what love looks like here. The love tells us exactly what is expected of us. It just doesn't actually give us the power to fulfill it. The law diagnoses the problem, it but it never cures the disease. It can't, it can't cure the disease and because we're diseased. It, 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 when in the Garden of Eden, you had the law and that was all you needed, right? I mean, it was don't eat of this tree and they were perfect. It was good. That was more than, just, that was more than just the commando. That was the revelation. Remember, we, we've talked about yeah. that. The, the don't eat of this tree is, is, is a revelation that there's a God bigger than them in, in that garden. The, the tree is the, the yeah. church. It is the whole and complete Torah of God um, to a, a, 
a mind, a, a wisdom that has not been corrupted by the fall. Adam could hear simply that command and recognize the fullness of the deity simply in the fact that there is an uncreated who is bigger than him. Um, we don't have that. We need no. more. We're, no, we're after the fall and we're sitting before uh, the resurrection of the flesh. And and so we, we need this revelation of God's law still given to us. We haven't graduated from it. In any way, shape, or form. Right. The problem, though, comes when we say, all right, so since we need this thing to continually guide us, to continually um, correct us, to continually reprove us, that must be the thing that gets the job done. And so what I really, really need to do to these Christians, then, is give them more law until they behave better. What I really, really need to do, then, is simply sort of, you know, encapsulate every Christian message as simply um, a reminder to be moral. Um, that way, we can sort of move you at least a little bit closer um, to, to Adam in the garden, who actually behaved himself, except for the, well, place where he didn't. <laughs> place where he didn't. Place where he screws it all up for all of us. Adam, thanks, Adam, Adam, by the way. Um, so Jerk. this is, though, I think our temptation. And, and we have well, it as hold parents, on a second. Too, hold, right? Hold. Like when, you're, when your kids are bad, you just yell at them until they're behaved, right? Yeah, that works. I mean, really, like we don't sit down with them and hug them and tell them we love them. We yell at them and say, go to your room. Get off the shed. And they don't. (laughs) Get in the car. It never actually actually does what we want it to do. But it's our gut instinct. When we come across somebody not behaving the way we want, obviously you need more law. Obviously you need more command. But, okay, so... Why? So it does stop my kids, right? I mean, eventually they stop hitting their sister, right? And their hearts are completely in the right place, and everything is good. Well, see, now this is the now this is the difference, right? So, and and we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But this is the the weird the weird thing is because they are punching their sister, and that is obviously not Christian in any way, shape, or form. The only thing that's actually going to stop them from punching their sister in that moment isn't because they really love her and they want to serve her by being her neighbor. It's that of what? The threat of punishment. The first use of the threat law. Threat of punishment. Yeah. It's, it's dad yelling. It's mom saying you're going to be grounded. And okay, yeah, I guess that'll curb me. I won't punch her anymore. Good. By the way, my, kid, my boys don't punch their, their sister. They punch each other. They're they're really good at not punching their sister. I taught them well. Don't get child protection services on me. <laughs> you keep stopping after everything I say. Am, am I just blowing this up so bad? That, do you need a laugh track for the podcast to just... work? Like, do you do you need that sort of? That that sort of affirmation to make you think you're doing a good job. No, I don't need it. I'm just. I'm gonna start I laying mean, in generic laugh tracks over the top good. of this thing. I would be okay with it. Filmed in fine. front of a live but, studio uh, audience. Cheers. <laughs> studio audience. When I was a kid, I wondered how they packed all those all those people into the bar. I didn't get it. Yeah, because every time you were in a bar when you were a kid, it was way smaller than this. 
My dad was a good yeah. dad. I don't know what you're trying to infer there. Jerk. So, um, when yeah. we- how much of this can you keep? Huh? How much of this can you keep? Ah, challenge accepted. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So this is then where we find ourselves. That that we. Um, it, in Christ do want to do good and, and in fact do accomplish the good works that he has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them but we are also sinners who mess it up we are simultaneously sinner and saint we, we call it the simul we are simul justus et peccator um, so we're 100% holy and righteous before God in Christ and we are 100% sinful and unclean and screw up everything justified. we touched yeah, yeah. We're, we're justified yeah um but that that changes yeah. then the way that we approach the law, doesn't it? Because if we are in Christ, then we are in comfort. We are in shelter. We are in a place where the law cannot condemn us. And so we don't need to be apart from the law anymore. We can actually be in the same way that we are in Christ. We can be in the law because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Well, then, correct. And so, and see, this is the thing. So for the... For the Christian, for the regenerate, right? For the for the one who's heard the gospel proclaimed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has done His work of converting and and bringing us to faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, for this individual, we can we can be like Adam and Eve before the fall, mm. where we can finally hear God's law in this sort of way, and that is the uh, that is the the justified part of us, or or. Uh, to, to use the, the normal language that everybody uses nowadays. That's that's the saint part of mm-hmm. us. And that's true. And and so that should be proclaimed. So again, that saint part of us isn't going to look in in and of himself on how to serve his neighbor. That saint uh, part of us is going to be like, man, I I love the Lord and I delight in his, uh, in his word and in his law and in his commands, like David tells me in the Psalms. Uh, so I'm going to actually look to his law on how to serve my neighbor, and I'm going to joyfully do that. And that's that's uh, that saint uh, in us. And then we also have the sinner who's in us at the very exact same time. And the sinner in us, uh, he's the one who hates all of these good works, actually has the law being proclaimed to us, uh, and uh, despises God even more so. Me, the Christian, despises God even more so and hates my neighbor. And then I'm sitting here saying, okay, fine. The only reason I'm going to do this is because I don't want to get punished. Right. It, it makes That's it, it. really messy, reason. doesn't it? Um, and we have this in our own lives as Christians where we want to do good, but we also hate the good that we do. There's a beautiful chunk in Romans chapter 7 about the, this, this simile where Paul is just at war with himself back and forth and back and forth over this, this concept that, that um, he could both um, feel a, a longing to, to do that which God commands, but also to run back to his old sinful flesh. Um, yeah, he, see, he sees the things that he actually does, and he's like, well, that's not what I wanted to do. Wow. It's fantastic. I, I I love this section because it's it's Paul um, who writes that whole you know love is patient, love is kind nonsense that everybody wants at their wedding because it's beautiful. This is Paul who's better than Shakespeare, the the most eloquent man ever, and he starts writing like a schizophrenic on a wall with a crayon in Romans Pretty chapter sure seven. That's Tupac. That's Tupac. <laughs> 
for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good, so it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good what I want, but of evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law, though, when I wanted to write evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but in my members I see another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, a wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Folks, Christ our Lord. Um, this is... I'm... Hold on. Wait, it's time out. Folks, um, I'm just like you. <laughs> I have no idea what Pastor Goodman just said there. It's... If you would like to, uh, you just uh, pause it right now, go backwards... <laughs> About seven and a half seconds. I think it was only about seven and a half seconds, even though he read two and a half paragraphs. Uh, and uh, surely there's an app for slowing down. Uh, I think that he writes it this way on purpose. Down. That's my point. I, I think that it's that confusing on purpose. Paul knows how to put a sentence together. And he goes back and forth and back and forth because this is how messy our lives in faith are. Life in faith doesn't get simpler. It doesn't get more peaceful. It's war. And here's where we find ourselves wrestling with the law that God would actually give it to us so that we would hate our own actions and not understand them. So that we would actually have a picture of what is good set before our eyes when there is still something in us that wants to do evil. And so I can say then that just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I always do good. Of course, I'm a sinner. But the thing that norms me is, is the law, but the thing that empowers it is the thing that Paul finally throws his hands up to. Who's going to deliver me from this mess? Because it's not going to be the law. Who is going to set my mind and my heart at peace? It's not going to be the law. The law is making me captive. It is Christ who sets us free. It is Christ who empowers the good works. It is Christ who saves us from this body of death. And so every single day in this life, yes, we do need a guide to show us what love looks like. But without the gospel, the whole thing falls apart. Without the gospel, there is just a diagnosis of a problem, but nobody to save us from this body of death. And so, in this life, go ahead. The, no, I was going to say, I, I mean, that's what Paul says, and again, uh, bring him up 1 mm. Corinthians chapter 4, where he says, as this Christian, as the saint, mm -hmm. right? As the saint, I, I'm not aware of anything against myself, he says. The, the law has nothing on me. And then as the sinner, though, he still admits, he says, uh, but I am not thereby acquitted. He's speaking of the, of the simile right there. He's speaking of the fact uh, that even as, and he's speaking of the fact, and I think we're going to get into that. Maybe I, I jumped no, again a good. little this bit. Is... But he's also speaking, he's speaking of the fact that in my corrupted mm -hmm. flesh that I'm still in and have not been completely delivered from, the old man, old Adam still hangs on me. And so therefore, while I'm doing the good work for my neighbor, I'm simultaneously not doing a good work for my neighbor because while I'm doing it out of complete love for him, there's also this old Adam that's going to corrupt it and is only doing it out of coercion. I'm only doing it out of fear of punishment or I hope to get something in return. Mm -hmm. And so with this, with this very fact, we see that even our works here on earth, even the Christian's works here on earth are not perfect. 
No, but Christ is. They're they're going to be corrupted and yes, they're going to they're going to be corrupted and they're going to be tainted with sin. But then we do have this promise of yes, but they are seen as righteous. They are seen as as good from God, not on for my sake. Thank thank goodness, but for the sake of Christ Jesus. Absolutely. And so then the same Paul who would call himself the chief of sinners can say I am not acquitted by my works. Of course, I'm not acquitted by my works, but I'm also not afraid of them because I have Christ who forgives my sins richly and daily. I have Christ so that I don't need to hold up every last thing that I have done for the service of my neighbor and say, is this good for one Jesus point, please? I have Christ who has already fulfilled the law for me and given me such freedom that I can serve recklessly. I can love recklessly. I don't need to tiptoe around the law, but I can dig my heels in on it and actually want good for my neighbor, knowing that everything else is already taken care of. And here, Paul then would would serve uh, without fear throughout all of the trials and tribulations that that he served in, um, while simultaneously not pulling any punches when he deals with the people he's serving. And I think this is the the real issue that, that we wrestle with today is how do you bring about the point of the law to the believer. Um, and so in our synod, we've, we've had no small amount of controversy as, as far as how preaching the law should go because the law always accuses, always. There's no way to deal with the law without feeling like a sinner. If you feel like a sinner without dealing with the law, you're not dealing with the real law. Like if you can look at the law and not feel bad, you've diminished the law to the point where it's not the law anymore. If you can look at the law and say, yeah, I did that, no problems there. You're not dealing with the full law. You're dealing with some small portion of it. Even for the yes. Christian, mind you. Especially I mean, th- this, for the Christian. This is the whole issue. That Yes, as it should be. right. It, 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 this is what Paul says against the, the church in Corinth who are sitting there saying, uh, the law has nothing to say to me. Uh, neither can it guide my actions, nor can it, nor can it actually show me any sin because uh, Jesus... And the thing is, the, Jesus doesn't uh, free us from the law. It, he takes us uh, from under the law. Right. He puts us in his word, both law and gospel. Exactly. Um, and then exactly. you don't need to start pulling punches. Because when you start pulling punches with the, the law, because you expect that, well, realistically, I know what the fifth commandment is. You should fear and love God so that you do not hurt or harm his, your neighbor and his body, but help and support him in every physical need. I can look at that and say, yeah, they're not going to do all that. But where can I at least sort of get them started on it? So when I preach this to them, I'll maybe just give them a portion of it. We do this thing with the third use of the law where we sort of set aside the part we actually expect from people from the true law. Because if we just give them the whole thing, we figure they'll they'll flinch back from it and only feel accused and, well, you know, not find comfort in Christ. See, when we have to pull back so that we can preach a third use that we're afraid people might actually be able to stomach, it's usually because we're afraid they didn't hear the gospel. And maybe they didn't. All right, so, so let me get this straight. So what, so what you're saying is that when I preach, uh, so I'm trying to wrap my head around this. What you're saying is the danger is if I preach the second use any different than I preach the third use, then I'm actually not preaching either of them very well. And so if I preach the second use in all of its mm-hmm. wrath, 
right? It says uh, the fifth commandment, right? Thou shall not murder. And then we take Jesus at his word and says, if you've harbored hatred in your heart, uh, then you've uh, committed this, uh, this sin. And then uh, we take the small catechism and it says if we haven't actually helped an, our neighbor to support his bodily needs, we've done this. So we extrapolate this out all the way and, and we show that with that second use, that mirror. And we completely condemn somebody. And then, and then we say, okay, now it's time uh, to preach the third use. But instead of preaching it in all of its fullness, uh, we'll just preach it in a way that yeah, I'm pretty sure that they'll be able to accomplish this much. They could accomplish 75%, and that's probably enough. But they're certainly not going to be able to help all their neighbors all the time. So I'm not going to preach the law to them. Right, and even if we're going to just sort of say that that's... Um that straw man doesn't exist completely. The difference between the second use and the third use is that you intend the second use to accuse somebody and you intend the third use to be the thing that people do. There should be no difference. Like you, you should actually expect Christians to fulfill the law. That's why God gives it. And that's why he says, do it. He doesn't just say, think about it and then feel bad and then turn to me. He says, do these things, love God, love your neighbor. And when we diminish the third use of the law into the portions we expect people to do while holding aside the second use of the law, the mirror to say, this is the part you should feel bad about, you end up really sort of only teaching people to despise the second use of the law. You, you end up teaching people to not actually take seriously the fullness of the law because the only part they're actually expected to do is the part that we would say, well, now, now therefore go and do this part. And well, we, we turn the second use of the law into sort of a mind exercise. In other words, I know I got to feel bad so what, for roughly 30 seconds until he tells me about Jesus and then he'll give me homework. No. So what you're saying, so what you're saying is, is that uh, your pastor shouldn't be preaching sermons to you that help you be a better Christian. Uh, you should be preaching sermons to you about what it means to be a Christian. See, that's the, the funny thing. Like, I'm not against, um, and nobody should be against, a, a sermon that actually says, this is what the law is, and I expect you to fulfill the law. I expect you as a Christian to love your neighbor. I expect you to do good works. The problem comes in, Exactly. To be a Christian, right. not to be a better Christian, to be a right. Christian. The, the problem comes in when we start to play pokey with the law and figure these are the parts where I want to lean on it. And these are the parts where I want to think about it. And all the thing, all the thing of the law, that's for you to do. That was eloquent. I know. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Just all, all the, the thing. thing. That's all how I preach things. my sermon. I point at the Ten Commandments and I say, all the thing. Um, and I mean it. All the thing. All the thing I expect, do, No, do. I expect love of God and love for neighbor from any Christian. And no, of course we don't fulfill that. And yes, absolutely Christ forgives that. That doesn't diminish the fact that I expect full love of God and love for neighbor. The gospel teaches that our spiritual offerings are, are acceptable to God through faith, for Christ's sake. That means I don't need to diminish so the law to expect it, it to be done. It sounds to me then that the, 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 proper, the proper preacher, the one who, who actually divides, if you want to put it that way, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it, divides the law into its three different uses and preaches them accordingly, it's not it's not the pastor, but it's the Holy Spirit. Some people have said that. What I'm and I'm I'm kind of down with it. 
people are going to hear it as the Holy Spirit wills it. But what I am saying is, is, is simply this. Um, if you're ever preaching the law and you don't actually intend your people to do it, that says something. Every time you preach the law, it's, well, then you're not that's preaching just it. The law. Every time you preach the law, you should be preaching the third use of the law. Every single time. And every single time you preach the law, the law will accuse. Because the law always accuses. But that doesn't mean you don't expect people to still strive for it. It means you don't expect people to measure their salvation by whether or not they've accomplished it. You measure their salvation by Christ who has fulfilled the law for us. And then recognizing that since this is already done, and I know what love looks like, and these people God gave me need this love, I can love them. Every single time you preach the law, you should, you should be aiming for a, an obedience to it. Of course it convicts. Of course it accuses. But in Christ, in Christ it cannot condemn. So just lay the whole thing out there. You don't need to like do real mean law and then nice friendly law. Just preach the whole law and recognize that in Christ people will find enough shelter that they don't need to step back from it. In Christ, if you are really preaching the gospel, there will be so much forgiveness, so much peace, that people won't need to handle the law with kid gloves. They'll be able to embrace the thing, recognizing, of course, I can't fulfill it, but my neighbor still needs me, and my neighbor still needs me in these 10 ways. And so these are the 10 things I'm going to try and do for the good of my neighbor. I'm going to mess it up because it's, it's me. I'm a sinner. But Jesus is here, and Jesus forgives. And so I'm going to hang on to it all the same. Yeah, this <clears throat> this preaching uh, that we need uh, in, in this sort of way, and we'll probably be wrapping up soon. Or maybe I, I'm I about done. I'm You're in charge, done. Mr. Producer. <clears throat> uh, what we've what we've got here in this continual preaching is again the law and the gospel. The law and the gospel is going to be there, and and therefore, if it's this Holy Spirit who's who's proclaiming this this third use to us. Uh, then the whole uh, the Holy Spirit is always going to be doing this until the day that we die. I, as a Christian, am in my sinful flesh, in my old Adam. I'm going to need to be uh, uh, corrected and shown my sin every single day of my life. That has to happen, and I need the Holy Spirit to do that for me in the preaching of the law. And I also, as a saint, I also need the Holy Spirit uh, to preach the law to me in the way that I know what it means to love God and serve my neighbor. And that means that it comes from the full counsel of God's Holy Spirit. There's one more way that it'll do it, What too. does it mean to serve my neighbor? Um, there, there's one more way, and we, this is the thing that we skipped. Um, it's punishments. God actually uses these things to to chastise us to the pain is the law that is preached right to the body um when when sin breaks stuff god allows it to hurt so that we would actually learn something from it um this article actually says that god uses punishments um not not as as an expression of his wrath over your sin because christ has forgiven um all your sins the wrath of god has been appeased in christ jesus our lord but simply to to sort of direct us so that well i can i can ignore a sermon but it's, it's awful hard to ignore the fallout from the sin that all comes to bear so that i would finally turn at last to christ and well stop hurting everybody around me stop running from god
Um, it, it's, it's a painful thing that nobody really wants to think about. But, but God actually lets pain happen in this world and even sends pain in this world to wake us up. Pain is simply the law that is preached right to your body so that you would, again, hear the gospel. The law will not save you. And, and there's no dealing with the law simply so that if I don't hurt, I must be doing everything fine because that just means that I haven't been caught yet or, or maybe I, I haven't um, tuned myself into these things. But just because you haven't been hurt by the law yet, it doesn't mean that it's not coming. Yeah. Paul, Paul Gerhardt mm -hmm. has a, a beautiful hymn uh, that we get to sing occasionally. Uh, and it's called uh, Why Should Cross and Trial mm. Grieve Me? And it's talking exactly about what you're saying there, especially stances two and three, where it's, it's, it's speaking about uh, what? Um, I will trust uh, my God in my days of uh, gladness, and I will trust him still when he sends me sadness. It's, it's our Lord who actually does these things. Uh, he brings us pain. He allows this to happen uh, for correction, for reproof. To be, to be brought back to his gospel so that I can serve my neighbor too. It's this whole life. This is, this, this is what I meant earlier about uh, the difference between your pastor preaching to you uh, so that you uh, can learn how to be a better Christian or so that you know what it means to be a Christian. If you get the fullness of the law and the fullness of the gospel, that's what it means to be a Christian in its fullness, not a better one. That's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. It's beautiful. Okay, so so we've got, I think, uh, three things uh, here uh, just to, just to wrap this up. Three uh, three pieces of, of, of homework for for the listeners. One, uh, find out what a reader's digest is. <laughs> go, meaning go talk to your grandma. She would love a phone call from you. Number two and number three are the same thing. Uh, YouTube, uh, those two songs that helped the entire continent of, of Africa. Actually, only one of them did. Only one of them did, and that was from the great uh, USA. So, We Are the World. Uh, and then the other one, Do You so Know It's Christmas. I, I, uh, you'll understand. So, so no, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and leave us with this object lesson. Um, that when we say um, about the third use, that, that uh, we don't just want to leave you with homework. We, uh, we also are perfectly content to preach the third use and leave you with homework. Good homework. Edifying, edifying Love your neighbor homework. through... <laughs> Don't you know it's Christmas? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, there's no top in that. <laughs> Thanks, Internet. Have a good one. Uh -huh.